0: What a beautiful name. Let's take the Word of God together again to the book of Ephesians. And if you remember, a few weeks ago, we began looking at the need to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we began to consider this spiritual warfare and battle that we face as as children of the living God. And uh, a dear brother encouraged me that there are some things mentioned in the book of Ephesians that are prerequisites to the standing long before we can ever stand against the onslaught of wickedness we must first learn what it is to be sat together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because if you try to stand against satan in your own strength and power you will be devoured you will be destroyed but if you be sat together in heavenly places in Christ then it is not you doing the standing but Christ And it would be far better for Christ to stand against the wicked one than you. We began after that to consider the next thing, which is learning to walk. A little baby doesn't come out of a mother's womb running and leaping and jumping, at least not that I've ever seen. There's a progress, isn't there? A baby learns to sit and then perhaps to crawl and then to walk. And then it begins to learn some of the other challenges in life. We began considering what it was to walk. The command for every believer to stand must be preceded by sitting and walking. And out of the presence of God, out of sitting in his presence, we learn how to walk. We spoke in Ephesians chapter 2 just here recently how we are his workmanship, literally the product or fabric that is made. Like a beautiful tapestry, that's what we are. I'm reminded of a story many years ago. I heard a story of a little child sitting by a fire playing with toys on the ground and whilst his grandmother was doing some cross-stitching above. and, And he looked up and said, Grandmother, that's the ugliest, most hideous thing I've ever seen. And she smiled and pulled the child up on her lap. And from her perspective, it was a beautiful picture. But from below, it looks very ugly. Threads, and yarn, going this way and that. And such is the Christian life below. It doesn't look so good from our perspective down here. But the Lord knows what he's doing. He's weaving a beautiful tapestry. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And that foundational truth, being in Christ Jesus must remain in your thinking. We are in Christ. Everything about the Christian life goes back to that principle. We are in Christ. And we, were cre- we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Everybody that today is wanting to know what their destiny is. Here it is. If you're born again, if you're a child of God, who, who, who experienced a new birth, here's your destiny. You were created to be conformed to the image of Christ. It has been it is your destiny to walk in good works. That's your destiny. And therefore we went looked at chapter 4, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And I wonder this morning are you walking worthy? What a responsibility, what a calling to walk like Christ. And this morning we continue our journey from sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and walking worthy. And part of walking worthy is found in our next portion of scripture of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And Paul says, In this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Part of walking appropriately is learning how not to walk. And if you don't make those corrections early on in your walk, then you will forever walk with a limp. My mother used to tell me growing up, she said, if you continue to make that face, it'll stick. You ever heard that before? And there are those kinds of principles. If you always walk with a particular way, you're going to walk like that. If you're not careful, you're going to settle into such a walk. And so Paul, in, of course, the infinite wisdom of God, instructs us that there are some ways that we have got to avoid. In our Christian walk and those are the ways that we used to walk they're the ways of other Gentiles meaning although we are still Gentiles we are not like other Gentiles although we live in the world we are no longer of the world but unfortunately let's be honest we live in a generation when Christianity is trying desperately hard to be more accepted by the world to be more palatable in the eyes in the mouth of the world, to look like the world, sound like the world, dress like the world, talk like the world. And we've got it all wrong. Because we're not to be like the world. We're to be totally different. Look at the way that he says it in verse 17. This I say, therefore, according to what was previously written. We'll come to all of that in just a moment. This chapter speaks very much about Christian unity. If there's one thing that's ever been attacked, it's Christian unity. Because the Lord Jesus said, hereby will they know that I am sent from the Father, is that if we're united, if we walk in unity and in truth together. And uh, this is what the script John says in another place. This is how you know that you love the Father if you love the brethren. So there's always an attack on true Christian unity. And Satan is ever, ever at it, isn't he? And so, Paul, according to what was written about the new change in the life of a believer, according to that, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, meaning this is from God, not from me, that you henceforth from now on, you're not going to walk like you used to walk. Now, I like that. We find that word occasionally in the New Testament. We find it previously in this, in this chapter, verse 14 as well. I like that word henceforth. From this day forward, no more. So maybe you are a believer, you have been born again, you know the new birth, but yet you've been walking in a way you shouldn't be walking. Well then, draw a line in the sand today with your big toe and say, from henceforth, from this day forward, I will not do that again. Now, this isn't, you'll find in a moment, this isn't talking about particular things. It's not a checklist of I'm not going to swear anymore. I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to get drunk anymore. It's not a checklist of do's and don'ts. But it's a checklist of, of principles of living, which you'll find here in a moment. From now on, from this day forward, from henceforth, I'm not going to live like an unbeliever anymore. Now, I want to ask you this morning, would you look this way? Before we go any further, are you living like a child of God or like a child of this world, because you can't do both. You cannot have one foot in heaven, in heavenly places, and one foot on earth, in the world. It's an impossibility. And I said it a moment ago, but we are living in a day, and it's only going to get worse, a day when both believers and churches are doing all they can to look and live like the world which is a clear contradiction to the word of God. And Paul mentions in previous verses how they used to walk, how we used to walk. Now, I want you to think with me for just a moment. We're going to look at some of these portions. How did you used to live? Is there a change? If there's not a change, then you might want to look a little bit more closely to see if you've ever been born again. Because to be born again means there's new life. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Altogether new. Old things have passed away. Behold, some of the things have become... All things have become new. Everything. The way you think, the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you live. Everything. The way you do your business. The way you show up to work. The way you respond. All things have become new. So that's what we're looking at today. Verse 14, he says, That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. From now on, we're not going to be like little children. I love dearly little children, but what he's saying is children are very gullible, aren't they? Children will believe anything you tell them. That's why in one place we're told to be like children, except you become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. But he says in our doctrine and in our understanding of Scripture, we cannot afford to be like little children because then every time some new fellow comes along with a new truth, We're going to follow him, and then somebody else comes along, then we follow them. Tossed to and fro. We're going to no more be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That's the way we used to be. I hope that you're beginning to settle. I hope you're beginning to settle in your doctrine, in your faith. I hope you're beginning to find the truths of scripture over and over. You're beginning to understand more and more. Now, look, when you first become a believer, of course, there's so much we don't understand, but the more, just like a child, a little infant doesn't know how to uh, doesn't know how to think, probably can't do maths. If well, I could talk to Paxton and say, now, Paxson, would you tell me what two times two is? And he'd say, I have no idea. He wouldn't even use those words. He'd probably come up with some funny. Answer, he doesn't have any idea, but the older a child gets, the more mature a child gets, the more they begin to understand. And so it is, it should be in your Christian walk. The older you get, the more you grow in Christ, the more stable you ought to become in your faith, the more settled in your faith you ought to be. In chapter two, turn back there with me, please. He reminds us what we used to be. In verse number 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead. Would you look here for one moment? If you are a child of the living God, you are alive. You were dead. I'm sorry, but some of you today are dead in this barn. That's an offense, you say. How dare you? No, no. If you do not know the new birth, if you have never come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins and by faith laying hold on the finished work of Christ, then you're dead. You are dead. That's what the scriptures say. Dead in trespasses and sins. And verse 2, wherein in time past you walked. It's a very interesting thought. You were a dead man man walking. You're walking. You were dead to the life that is in Christ. You were dead to God's word and God's promises. Make no mistake about it. You were dead, but you were also totally and completely alive to evil. I know it. No, I, I didn't see it then. But I see it now. I was very much alive to sin. in Dead in my sins, but alive to my sins. Very much alive. I was walking in my sin. It's interesting when you have children, you have a bit of insight about some of these pictures. Little children, it takes a while for them to understand when they, when they need, need, need to use the loo. And they can walk and live... In their filth. Now, I'm not going any further than that. But there are many, many people in the world who do the same. Living, living in their sin and degradation. Living in their depravity. And they don't even know it. And they're not even bothered by it. Many, maybe today, you're one of them. You don't get this whole Christian business. You don't really care about this whole Christian business. You're fine the way you are. You're dead in your sins and you can't even see it. You can't smell it, but the rest of us can. And you are of all men most miserable. I wonder today if that's you. It's an interesting note as you look at this portion of Scripture. Satan has always been a chameleon, a copycat. He always tries to mimic everything that God does. God has a kingdom. He has a kingdom. God has a system and an order. He has a system and an order. Uh, God has promises. He has promises. You can't trust his promises, but he does have them. And you find here in this text in chapter 2, look at it in verse number 2, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh. Here he has his own trinity. The world, the flesh, and the devil. He has his own trinity. And that's where the majority of the unconverted, that's where all of the unconverted are walking today. According to the course of this world, whatever the world says, you do. Wherever the world leads, you follow. The world says, jump, you say, how high? The world says, give, you say, how much? That's the way the majority of this world is living. According to... To the flow of the world. Oh, what a dangerous position to be in. That's the way we used to walk. And that's why Paul says, don't walk like that anymore. There's something very wrong with believers who are not willing to stand up against the push and the flow of the world. There's something very wrong with the Christian church today that will not stand against the thrust of the world. We were created, saved out of that course of this world. We should be standing against it. Not only that, but according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There's a spirit that works in us, isn't there? The spirit of the living God. And did you know the same way the spirit of the living God works in us, there is a spirit that works in the children of disobedience. That's real. If there is a God, there is a Satan. If there be a Holy Spirit, there be evil spirits. And they are real and at work today, working inside of the children of disobedience. And there's also something else working in us, the lust of our flesh. That's how we used to be governed. That's how maybe some of you today are still being governed. You do whatever your (laughs) flesh tells you to do. You go wherever you want to go. Whatever the world tells you to do, you go with it. Whatever the prince of the power of the air puts into your mind, you go along with it. And can I just say today, if you are a professing child of God, still living a worldly life, you are just as much under the influence of Satan as the children of darkness. You're still under his sway, under his hand, although you legally be free. There is a spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And that spirit has one job to incite rebellion and disobedience to the word and commands of God. Now, can I ask you this this morning? Are you following God in his word, by his spirit? Or are you following your heart? Is that not what the world says? Follow your heart. If I followed my heart, there's no telling where I'd be today. The number of marriages that have been split to pieces because somebody followed their heart. The number of young people who have ended up a million miles away because they followed their heart. Don't listen to that nonsense. Follow God. Follow Him. The same way that the Spirit of the living God works inside of those of us who fear to grieve Him, so the Spirit of the Prince of the power of the air works in the children of disobedience. Same way. It says in verse number three of chapter two, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, meaning we used to be like that. It should be a thing of the past. We used to be like that. It should be past tense. I love verse four, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love. Wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? I was dead. I used to walk like that. But God in his grace and mercy saved me. I'm different. I've been rescued. Marvelous. We were without Christ. Verse 12. At the time that ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There are a number of blessings that were associated with the people of God, the nation of Israel, and that now we are in Christ, we become partakers of that commonwealth, just like there are commonwealth countries around the world, and there are blessings Apparently, there are blessings to being a part of a, a commonwealth. Well, so it was here that although we were not the chosen national people of God, we are the chosen people of God in Christ. We have these blessed promises that we find in His Word there in verse number 12. That commonwealth of Israel. There's something common. The promises that were that were spoken of then, there are like promises. That are delivered unto the children of God. And it goes on. And we were strangers, we were strangers from the covenants of promise, not anymore. We used to have no hope. Not anymore. We used to be without God in the world. Not anymore. Think about that. Now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Rejoice. Some of you today live like you've got no hope. You say you're a Christian, but you live like you've got no hope. Now, we shouldn't be like that anymore. Don't walk as Gentiles walk. Now, go back to our text in chapter 4. It explains the way we should no longer walk. That you henceforth from this day forward walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, think about that with me for a moment. Vanity, we often associate that word to emptiness, but it's more than emptiness. It's empty of truth vanity means empty of truth and appropriateness so here are our people the whole world we used to be like this but the whole world right now is walking with an empty a mind empty of truth and a mind empty of that which is appropriate oh believe me they've got all sorts of rubbish in their mind but no truth now people get really offended when you say that but that's bible walking in the emptiness of their mind. No truth, no sense of truth, no sense of what is appropriate. They live perverse and depraved lives. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 1, and verse number 19, I'm sure you'll be familiar with it, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, because God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, So that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations. They refused to let truth come into their mind. And some of you this morning may be doing that very same thing. You're refusing to allow the truth of God's word to enter in. You've got a no trespassing sign up. Vain imaginations, idols and worldly possessions. No thought of eternal or or spiritual realities at all. Constantly materialistically thinking. No thought of heaven or hell. No thought of God or punishment for sin. Only a thought of material now gain. That's the way the world lives. You shouldn't live that way, Christian. If all you're living for is a bigger house and a better car, And a more comfortable life on this earth, you've missed it. You've missed it. This life is not about you building your kingdom. It's about God building his. And it's a spiritual kingdom. All of this will burn very soon. The whole lot will be burnt up. So stop living to build it here. Not only that, but they they live in the vanity of their minds. And it says as well in uh, in the same verse, verse uh, 18, having the understanding darkened. Now, that's an interesting thought. Because in chapter 1, Paul prays, if you remember verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. So the Christian, look here, the Christian's understanding should become brighter and brighter and brighter. But the unbeliever's understanding is getting darker and darker and darker. And if you can't see that by looking around the world today, then perhaps you're on the wrong side. The unbelieving world, their understanding is getting darker. They're becoming more foolish, more dull. But the believers should be coming brighter and brighter, more understanding. The light—it's almost like when you when you walk into a room and you turn the light on, and it, 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 one of those one of those kind of bulbs that takes a while to warm up. If you know what I'm talking about, that's the way it should be with you. You should be warming, getting brighter and brighter in your thinking and your understanding thinking more of Christ, understanding more of his word, understanding more of his will as you walk. What about you? Is your understanding becoming enlightened or darkened? The worst part about it is you read in John chapter 3, Jesus says with his own lips, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light. That's the worst part about it. The worst part is Men are in darkness and they know it and they don't want to get out of it. They see the light of Christ. God in his mercy reveals to them the light of Christ and they don't want it. They refuse it. Nobody ever goes to hell because God simply just dismisses and they go there because they willingly turn their back on God. Willingly. Jesus said, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft will I have gathered thee as a hen doth gather her chicks beneath her wings, but ye would not. Didn't want it. Men love darkness. They love their sin. They love their comfortable lifestyle. They don't want to change. And so Paul says, don't you walk like Gentiles, other Gentiles walk in the darkness of their mind. He goes on. Being alienated from the life of God—that's a strange word, isn't it? We're a bunch of aliens. It means we're foreigners. We we don't really belong here. We're familiar with that term, especially if you're from the United States of America, but we speak about legal or illegal aliens. They're not—they're not—they don't belong to that country, and they have come in illegally. They, we understand the word alien, meaning you're a foreigner. You don't really belong there. That's what you and I are in this world. So stop trying to fit in. You don't belong here. If you are a child of the king, you belong in heaven. That's your home. You belong with God, not here. So stop trying to fit in. Stop living like that, being alienated from the life of God. Your darkness, your vanity separates you from God. And the children of darkness are glad about it. They don't want God. I I meet people on the streets all the time. If I speak to them about heaven or hell, they say, I gladly will go to hell. I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to heaven. Why would they want to go to heaven to meet a God that they don't don't love, they don't like, they don't believe in, they don't want to have him? Alienated through their ignorance, the scripture says. And that is willful, willful ignorance, by the way. Alienated, it says there, having understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. What do you mean it's willful? Well, Romans chapter 1 told us in verse 19 to 21, that they became, they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wives they became fools. And the scriptures go on to say in verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. They didn't want God in their mind. They pushed them out. How many times have you spoken to somebody? Just this week, Emory and I were talking to a few people. Oh, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Took the van to get it cleaned for this trip coming up and, and uh, started talking to the man who was un- operating the uh, car wash, and, ah, no, 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 he kept saying to Tim Ray. It, what, I mean, are we going to poison him or something? <laughs> but he did not want to hear it. He did not want it in his brain. Willingly ignorant. I'm ignorant and I'm glad. That's what they say. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 19, it says the very same thing. And are confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are, are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another teachest not thyself. Darkness. Matthew Henry said something interesting. He said it was not because God did not make himself known to them by his works, but because they would not admit or allow the instructive rays of divine light. He wouldn't let the light of God in. One last thing. One last way you shouldn't walk. You shouldn't walk in the vanity of your mind. You shouldn't walk having your understanding darkened. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling. Now, this is a dangerous one. I want you to listen for the next couple of minutes and I'm finished. Being past feeling, meaning you've passed a point of feeling. You once could feel conviction. You once understood something was right or wrong, and you've gone past it because you kept sinning. You kept sinning. Sinning against the light of God. Sinning against the light of God's spirit. A conscience seared. No sense of sin. No sense of impending danger. No sense of judgment to come. And can I say, would you look here? The majority of the adult world is living there right now. Living absolutely in a fairy tale world. I can't wait till everything is back to normal, back to holidays, this, that, and the other. We'll all have a grand old time and parties and living in a fairy tale world. No understanding that the judgment of God is about to drop. No understanding. No understanding that what they're doing is wrong. 1 Timothy 4, verse number 2 says speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You ever been burnt before? You know what it is to have something seared. There's no more feeling and it's a scar. And that's the way that a lost man's conscience is. Past feeling. And it goes, the scriptures say, they've given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is unbridled lust. It's indulging in filthy lusts, yielding to them and becoming slaves, therefore, to them. They've just, they've taken the bit out of the horse's mouth, taking the bridle off, and they said, go. For a while, they tried to hold back their passions, tried to act like they were decent, moral people, and they were let go. That's the progression of the lost world. I wonder where you are today who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. You're different. You should be. You're different. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. Be renewed. May the Lord help us. May he help us to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. May he help us put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Very practical things. We'll pick up on those things later. Walk not as other Gentiles walk. You've heard me say it before, but they say the number one cause of atheism in the world today are believers, Christians, who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but deny him with their lifestyle. That's the single number one cause. And the world looks in on a church that's fussing and fighting and bickering and backstabbing and gossiping and slandering and says, I want nothing to do with that. May God help us. Walk not. It's good to be reminded, isn't it? Good to be reminded so we might put some lines on the road to say, I'm not crossing over that way. I'm staying right here. Let's pray together, then we'll sing our final hymn. Father in heaven, we do rejoice that we are thine. We give thanks that we are not what we used to be. But we are aware, Lord, that sometimes the old man raises his ugly head. We pray for help, Lord. Give us strength and power that we might stamp upon that old man and might put on the new man daily, that we would no longer walk the way we used to walk in the vanity of our minds. Lord, please help us. We desire to walk in Christ. We desire to be new creatures. Help us, we pray. We do pray that The church here may walk in unity, true Christian unity, founded and based upon thy great love. May we have a deeper love for thee and a deeper love for one another and a deeper love for truth. But we realize that our unity must be based around the truth of thy word. And we pray that we would no longer be as children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Lord, settle us, strengthen us and help us. Bless the dear ones here. I do pray for those who are still lost. Maybe they felt this morning whilst we looked at the way we shouldn't walk. Perhaps they felt that that was exactly the way that they're living. And I pray that thy spirit may shed light on the reality that they are lost. And I pray that instead you may turn them from darkness unto light. Save them, I pray. That they be no longer children of darkness. No longer children of this world, but instead, children of the living God. Lord, we love thee and thank thee again for saving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.